the volume. Oral Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to bet the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook during the football season. FanDuel is the best. They're America's number one sportsbook. It's so easy to use, safe and secure. What more do you need to hear here? There's fast payouts too, as quick as two hours. What a turnaround. And there's so many different bet types as well. The same game parlay bets, live betting, player props, futures. There's risk-free bets and the same game parlay bets, enhanced odds markets. There's so much more. It's fantastic. It will not let you down. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9889 in Tennessee. Or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to Oral Sessions with Renee Paquette. This is where we mash up the best of the week. We take our interviews from Tuesday and Thursday, what those episodes were. We take those highlights. We put them together all here in one convenient place for your listening pleasure. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoy what we put together here for you guys. And if you want to go back and listen to these interviews in their entirety, you can do that right here where you're listening as it is. Um, so anywhere you guys are listening to podcasts, you can go back and find those full length interviews. But otherwise, we've uh, we've done a little bit of heavy lifting for you and gave you guys some of the highlights from what from what you want to hear. But, you know, we're so lucky with all the amazing guests that we have on oral sessions that I'm sure... If you're fans of these people, you're going to want to go back and hear more of their story here, more of who these people are and what makes them tick and what has led to their success, all that fun stuff. Um, I love what I get to do here and I love getting to chat with all these interesting and fascinating people. It's a hell of a time. And yeah, now we just get to do a little best of here on the weekend. So here we go. Let's get into it. Here's the best stuff from this week on Oral Sessions. Do I call you Brooklyn or Brooke? I've seen both. I know. It's like a back and forth thing. I get called like BK, Brooklyn, Brooke. I get called everything. Honestly, whatever you want. How were the holidays for you? It was good. I'm back home with family. I think family time is like the best time. So it's been good. It's been, I mean, California never rains and it's been raining. So I've been like really happy about that. I just moved to Cincinnati from Las Vegas and same thing, never got snow, never got it. But anytime we would get rainy days, I'm like, oh, thank God. Break up the days a little bit. Give me something. It's so good, but I'm so antsy. I like am, I have a lot of energy and I like need to get it out to sleep at night. And I like will go on walks in the rain and I'm like, what am I? <laughs> okay. What else do you do to get rid of some of this energy? Like I was telling you before we hopped on here, I've been like watching some of your YouTube videos and figuring out stuff. But yeah, you're like bouncing off the walls. You have all this crazy energy. I am like that type to like really get into one thing and do it for a very long time. So like, for instance, like surfing, I go and surf like every day and then I'll go and skate. And then like after skating, I'll go for a hike. Like it's a lot. It's California. I mean, I've, I grew up being outside. Like seriously, I'd get home from school. My mom would be like, go outside until the streetlights come on. Like I would just be outside all the time. So now I don't really know how to be inside. If that makes sense. 
I feel like people can kind of take a little bit of that from you because I feel like everyone's so like, I mean, obviously with the last like two years or whatever, everyone's just stuck inside anyways, but it's like, what's new on Netflix? What can I binge? What can I do? It's like, get up off your fucking ass and go do something. (laughs) It's been such a transition too, from like the attack, like, Hey, you have to heal for six months or like six weeks. I, I, it was like, so new to me. I was like, I can't do that. Like you're asking me to do a lot right now, but like the normal person, it's like, Oh, thank God I get to stay in. But like, for me mentally, I was like, what is this? Like, I can't do that. Was that like one of the most difficult parts of like the aftermath? I like would literally rather be doing anything else but be inside. My doctor would be like, you can't skateboard or like, you can't go outside and surf or you can't run. I was like, how does one do that? I had a TV in my room. I don't think I've ever turned it on. And like, I did. I had to be like, let me just relax. You're in the minority with that, certainly. But uh, I'm glad that you were able to take the time. So for people that aren't familiar, I mean, I know your story has been um, on tons of different news sites and different outlets and all that. Um, But yeah, let's talk about the attack to catch everybody up to speed on what exactly happened with you. It's been over a year now. um, But early November of last year, what happened? I was, I mean, during COVID. So not really doing a lot, still going outside and skating. But my cousin had called me and was like, Hey, do you want to come to Arizona? I'm going to be there. They're originally from Chicago. So they were kind of visiting that area. And I was like, yeah, of course, like that's not too far away. Like I'll just come, got on a plane ride, went to Arizona. We got our nails done. And at the time I was taking antibiotics for, I don't even know what it was for, but I was taking antibiotics. So we had to go back to the house And this is like a part of the story. I don't really tell anyone because I find it really trippy. Her dog actually had like a skin condition. So it had kind of like bad skin, really itchy, irritated skin. So we went to this like nutritionist and she was like kind of like hippie, like very into like natural essential oils. And she like looked at me before I even said hi. Cause like when I walk in somewhere, I'm like, Hey, how are you? You know, she like looked at me and she's like, I just want you to know like dead eye contact. She's like, I just want you to know, like whatever you go through, you're going to remain positive. And I was like, oh, like, thank you. Like, that means a lot. And in my head, I'm like, what am I going through? Like, I hope I'll stay positive, you know, like, kind of like that. She said it like two other times after that. And like, finally, the last time I was like, am I going through something like that? You know about that? I don't like, because I was just really thrown off from like her saying that. And I was like, I really appreciate that. I was like, I hope I stay positive through like anything that I go through. Literally, and I kid you not, 15 minutes later, the attack happened. Wow. Yeah. So then the attack happened. Um, I was in the kitchen. It was kind of like an L-shaped kitchen. So there was an island. I was like in the corner. My cousin was like moving pots and pans in the back, but I was standing up completely. A lot of people say that I had a treat in my mouth or I was bending over to kiss the dog. None of that. I was standing up. I was petting his head and I was like, you're such a good boy. He was like way down on the ground. I looked at my cousin and I looked back at the dog and he literally sprung like from the ground onto my face, like latched onto my face. And then my instincts was like, get on the ground, hold his head and go wherever he goes. So I was early on the ground, kind of like sumo wrestling position, like on the ground, holding his head. I was just like going with him and it had to be like 40 seconds. And then I finally felt like a release and I was like able to kind of push him away. But as soon as I did that, something like flew off and hit the wall and like went down. But I wasn't even thinking about that. I like got up and I was like, wow, that's, such a good breath, like of air, like I can breathe so well. And then I was like, that's weird. Like, what am I tasting right now? And I kind of like, just looked down and blood just everywhere. So 
my cousin finally turned around, started streaming some stuff as I think one in shock would. Um, I have a really high pain tolerance. So I just thought the dog like bit me and then kind of like released. I didn't know that he like had taken everything. We got the dog in one of the closets in the other room. And then I like was over the sink and I was like, you, you need to take me to the hospital. Like, I don't care what you do. Like you need to take me to the hospital. Like this is bad. We were basically in the house for a good like 30 minutes before we went to the hospital and the hospital was 11 minutes away. My cousin wasn't from Arizona. She like comes and visits and goes, but she didn't really like know where to take me or like know what to do. So I think her shock was, I don't know. I don't want to talk bad on anyone, but I just wish like some of the situations were different that happened with So it took me 11 minutes to get to the hospital. Well, from the 30. So it was like 44 minutes and um, my lip was off ice. And once I got to the hospital, because of COVID, they had to test me. They had to ask me questions. I'm sweating right now thinking about this. Oh my God. I walked up and they had like an outside like check-in, right? Before you even got into the hospital. So I was like standing there with a rag like over my face because my cousin threw it at me. She's like, I can't look at you like that. Like threw a rag on my face. I was like, okay, like what the hell is happening? Put the rag over my face, got to the hospital. I'm like sitting there, there's a nurse. She's like typing on the computer outside. She's like, hi, what's your name? Like Brooklyn. She's like, can you spell it for me? I'm like, B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-N. She's like, date of birth. Tell her my date of birth. She's like, what's your address? Give her my address. I was like, yo, like, I don't know what's going on. She's like, "Mm, okay, what are you here for? And I just like went like this. And she was like, "Uh, uh," like freaked out. And she's like, go into the, go, 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 go. So then I get there. Same thing at the other desk. So talk about learning patience. That's wild. Um, What was that pain like? Were you just in so much shock that you almost didn't even feel it? I wasn't in shock. Someone would say, well, that is shock. I was like very like aware of everything that was happening. Like I was like, hmm, like I'm feeling a little lightheaded. So I like drank water, calm myself down because my cousin was losing it. So like, as I think one would that saw someone's face like ripped off and probably didn't like blood. Like I completely understand. At the same time, I was like, we were driving and she's like, there was a cop on the side of the road. She's like, I'm just going to let the cop take you to the hospital. I was like, holy shit. Like we're six minutes away. Just if you can't drive, like pull over, let me drive. Like I got to get myself to the parking hospital. Like I told her too, I was like, get me to the hospital. As soon as you drop me off, you can like freak out and do whatever you need to do, but just like get me there. So what did the doctors say when they first assessed what had happened? What was like, what did they, what was the conclusion that they all kind of came to? I mean, one of the nurses looked at me and he's like, can I take a picture of you? Uh, we have a group chat going on and we kind of like discuss the worst cases and you're definitely one of them. I was like, sure, dude, like <laughs> whatever. He took a picture. One of the other nurses, she's like, I'm, she just kept saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Like she just was like really there for me. I think like more emotionally, uh, my parents didn't really know what was happening. I was told not to text anyone. So I didn't tell anyone. I kind of just sent um, a picture to uh, my friends and didn't really explain it. And everyone thought I was joking. So it was really gnarly. So I was in Arizona. So my parents like drove up there and then I told them, I was like, look, like, I know this is going to be emotional. I do not want you crying when you see me, like, just be strong. Like, I don't want to be like, oh shit. Like, I feel sorry for myself. I was like, please, like, I know it's emotional. And like, I know you're probably going to look at me and like, be really sad, but like, don't show it, please. Like, 
parents walked in, they're like, hey, how you doing? Like, I'm like, good. <laughs> Thank God. Honestly, because yeah, I mean, it's, I feel like you would be so teetering on that point of like, am I going to lose it? Or do I just keep a level head about this? Cause it is what it is, right? Like crumbling, like what, what is crumbling really going to do other than just put you in like a nasty headspace that is like a hairline away. Right. Yeah. And my parents, I mean, Thank God for them. But I mean, they were like, we had six hours to cry in the car. We got it all out. I was like, like, <laughs> you did what you needed to do. Like, so sorry for, you know, putting you in that emotional spot. I mean, it is emotional. I, I know that they feel kind of guilty, but at the same time, I'm like, how are you feeling guilty? Like you had nothing to do. It's just like parents guilt, I think. Oh my gosh. I have so many questions. I'm like, where do I go? Okay. So do you think that if you got to the hospital earlier with your lip on ice, would they have been able to reattach it? The timeline of like me being in the hospital was I got there um, about, about 1, 148, 148, roughly 150, almost two. My lip had been off ice for, I think, like 40 minutes. So by the time we got to the hospital and it was on the ice, I like remember being like in the hospital then kind of like the nurse like came in. She's like, that's your lip over there. I was like, thanks for letting me know. What is hospital they seem insane to me I have I literally like that's what I'm saying like this shit is like a movie like I don't even think that when I tell the story I'm like this is so weird that that happened to me like it doesn't even make sense so my lip was like it was like this and then when I looked at it it was literally like shriveled and up like this like in a U and I was like oh shit like (laughs) that looks like a worm like it looked literally like a worm so I got there at one around 150 around two and they were keeping me in the waiting room, like in this little hospital bed. And they were like, Oh, like we don't have any surgeons. We don't have an emergency team here. We're going to take you to another hospital. That's 40 minutes away. And I was like, okay. So then I was there from one to five. And then I had an ambulance come pick me up around five 30 and it took me on a 40 minute car ride because there was traffic around that time in Arizona. So I got there like six and I didn't go into like surgery to just kind of like fix the situation. I mean, cause they couldn't reattach it cause they did say that it died. They didn't take me in a surgery until like 10 o'clock that night. It was like a whole day of me waiting around like, Oh my God, like what's going to happen? Like, come on. And I was alone. So I was literally just sitting in the hospital bed. My phone was on like 10% too. So I like, didn't have my phone. So I was like, how do you tell people that you're going through something without like trying to scare them? So I was like, Hey, just like in the hospital, you know, like, I don't know. It was crazy to be honest. It was kind of surreal. So the dog ripped off your whole upper lip and part of your nose as well, right? Yeah. So if you had looked at me in the hospital room, like right when the attack happened, this is like a bad way to explain it, but this is the only way to explain it visually. It looked like someone like put a gun to my face and kind of like shot a bullet. Like it, like from the side, it was like completely gone. Like literally the tip of the nose was still there. The septum completely gone. And the left side of my face, kind of like where he grabbed it more on that side, I guess on like this side, it was like more gone. So like, you can even see like this side is like more pushed down than this one. This is like after the surgery and it's still very new. So I will not look like this, but um, yeah, he, he took a lot off. How many surgeries do you have to have in total? Cause it took you a while to find the doctor to do the surgery as well. Right? Yeah. It took me like a full year. I had gone like every day to talk to a different doctor, like from everywhere. And it was always like zoom calls for 30 minutes. And then they'll be like, okay, well, I'm going to send you the invoice. And it'd be like $1,500 to 
have a doctor be like, nah, I can't help you. Like, shut up. I am not even kidding. It was the most frustrating process, I think, for my mom and I both because my mom's like trying to do all she can to help me. So like, this is her way of helping me, like finding me a doctor, getting me better. So like the way that she took the situation, talking to all these doctors, wanting me to like consult and, you know, just see what the next step would be. It was really hard on both of us, I think mentally, because it was like every doctor I talked to, I was like, no, he's not the one. Like, I don't like attitude. Like, this is not what I want. I mean, I don't, (laughs) I don't want to talk bad on anyone, but I definitely was not feeling any of the doctors that I did until like the last one. My my mom was like, look, you talk to this doctor. They had been in communication since like for like six months before I met them. So like we had to get the insurance to approve it. So I was like, I'm done spending money on people telling me like, no, like it's a lot of money. I'm just sitting here talking to them for 30 minutes. And they're like, nope. So, um, I just felt like I was throwing money away at that point. So I was like, I'm not going to talk to anyone. I don't want a doctor. I'm not even going to get surgery. Like I was in that headspace. My mom's like, you can't walk around without a lip. Like I was like, yes, I can. Like I do do that. What are you talking about? Like, but I think she was like thinking of me for the future, not just for now, obviously. But um, yeah, so I am with Dr. Doe now. And the first time I met him, I was like, oh, I love him. Like I, I literally love him. Like this is the guy. Um, he, he's like the sweetest, most caring guy ever. Like he's like so humble so good at what he does. He is a trauma surgeon. So he deals with everything. And he's also like, so smart and just like does his research on like every little thing. Like he's just incredible. So yeah, it's my doctor now. Okay. So what is, what's the process? What is the procedure that you're going to be doing? I know there's several different surgeries that you need to have, right? Yeah. So the first one was definitely like the most gnarly, most uh, strategic one. They grafted from my arm and they put it on my face, but they actually took like nerve and an artery from my arm and they put it in through here and then connected it. So this like in like two months is going to have like sensation, like a normal lip would. So like all the nerves right now are fusing. And like, sometimes I'll be sitting and I like feel like sharp, like tingles. And I'm like, what the heck? And then I'm like, it's working. I'm going to need like a good, I mean, the next surgery, like the next stage of the operation is like really gnarly. I think mentally, not physically, but they have to implant tissue expanders So basically like they're going to go right here, expand my face. I'm going to look like a chipmunk for like, I think like two to three months. So they're going to expand the skin because obviously there's like discoloration. So they're going to like go in, shave this down, shape it like a lip. The implants will be in, my face will be um, expanded. And then they're going to take it and like kind of place it down. So to make the skin all one and then matching. So I don't, I won't have like these scar lines. Um, how they're going to do that? I have no idea, but that's what they're doing. And then they're also going to give me my rhinoplasty. So my nose job at the same time. So that was going to be a different step, but he's like, I'm already going to be in there working. I'm going to just like fix it um, if I can at that time too. So that takes one less step. So I'm super happy about that. So I guess like maybe four, two of them like being for surgery and then the rest of them being cosmetic. So not that much, but I mean, at the same time it is. How relieved are you to have like found the doctor and now you're in the process, like you're doing it. You can feel your new lip coming to life. Like that's wild, man. Thank God for smart people, right? That like, oh my gosh. God's so cool. I think to me, I'm like the type to be like, I'm learning patience. I'm learning a lot of patience because I'm very like, I'm not going to do it. Like, let's just skip the stage. It's like, you know, and somebody the other day, like messaged me on Instagram, kind of like when I wasn't in my head, but I was like, Oh, I don't want to do any of this. Like, I'm like, so sick of being like, 
going into surgery, talking to doctors. Like I was just like, uh, you know, some days you have good days, some days you have bad days, but I was just like, I don't want to do this. Like, I'm like so sick of being that person. That's like always in the hospital. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Especially now too, with like all the COVID things, like that probably just makes it even worse as well. Like on top of the world being upside down and you have to do so much of this stuff by yourself. Yeah. It's, it's annoying, but it is what it is. And I, I mean, I'm fortunate enough to not be in the hospital all the time for my case, I guess with me, I am like, Oh, like this sucks. But sometimes I'm like, it's okay. It's like part of life. And somebody messaged me when I was in that headspace the other day, like all they said was trust the process. And I like sat there and I looked at it and I was like, Holy shit. Like I needed to hear that so bad. And it's also so true. Like I'm one to want to skip steps to just like get to the finish line faster. I really need to like, just trust every stage of the surgery and just know that like the end result is going to be so well worth it. So what about the decision to, to be so public about what's happened and to share the process with people through Instagram, through, you know, through even like doing a podcast like this to be able to talk about it. Um, the decision to do that. Also, this is my first podcast. So I'm really excited. (gasps) Yay. Well, thank you. So (laughs) when I got into the initial attack, I literally searched on the internet for so long trying to find someone similar to my case. And I found nothing. It's like literally in the hospital. I like, I remember like looking at my mom and I was like, I want to be that person that if somebody, and I hope nobody goes through this, but if somebody is in that situation, they can be like, Oh my God, I'm not alone. Like I'm going through this too. Growing up in high school, growing up in middle school, I was always bullied. So I never really cared what I looked like. Wait, how were you bullied? You're like the cutest, sweetest little thing. I'm telling you, like I literally was like so bullied and my mom was always like, they're jealous, but it was really annoying. Like it was really bad. I was like, what am I doing to you? Like what, what did I do to offend you? Like, I'm just like, I literally was on the surf team. I did track. I like literally would just go and do my thing and then leave. And I was always like, I was one that like never wanted drama never wanted, you know, um, but yeah, I was somehow like always bullied. So I feel like it built me to be very strong for me to be like, I don't care what I look like. You can say all the shit you want. Like it will not affect me. And that's exactly like what I think led me to hear. Like, I just don't care about what I look like. Um, I think like everyone's beautiful in their own way. Yeah. But just like being more public about it was me trying to be like, if somebody's seeing this on the other side of Instagram or whatever podcast or whatever interview I do, and they're going through the same thing to be like, oh my gosh, like it is okay to look a little different than what society's beauty standards are. I just want people to know that they're not alone and shit happens and you can't control it. Like in the first beginning process, like I was hiding my face all the time, like even from my parents, like I was like, don't look at me. Like I look, my mom's, my dad's like, you look beautiful. I don't see a difference. Like you are beautiful. You are you. And that's, that's everything. And I just feel like Instagram and just like, certain beauty standards that are put on Instagram for you to compare yourself to is like, you know, for someone that has gone through something tragic or an accident or born with a, you know, a difference, they don't really have someone to be like, Oh, I look like that too. Or, Oh, like somebody looks different like me and you know, not everyone's perfect and beautiful. Or I don't know. I just honestly, just to answer your question, I wanted to be that someone that someone could look up and be like, Oh my gosh, I've gone through that. Or I'm going through that. And I can relate. I can't even tell you the amount of people that have DM me pictures and videos and their stories about them being attacked by dogs. Like it is insane. Like it happens way more than I think, but all of them are like, thank you for sharing. I wish I was this strong, but like, to me, it's like, I just want to live my life and be able to post pictures and not have to hide from who I am. I can't change any of this. I can try to hide it as much as I want with a mask or whatever, but I'm done hiding. It's so exhausting. 
I bet, especially when, you know, you're more used to being out there and showcasing your life. And, you know, I mean, you've lived such a life already prior to this even happening that to just like halt in your tracks and hide away like that. Yeah, you're right. That seems exhausting to like switch your entire mindset and like, it seems depressing. It is. Yeah. And I remember my mom, like at the beginning of the surgery, she's like, Hey, you know, kind of being the mom that like cares and doesn't want me to get like hurt or whatever. She's like, Hey, I wouldn't post anything. Like I would just post you like take away your, your pictures online and just post you when you're done with all the surgeries. And I like looked at her and I was like, so you want me to like hide and like not show a process. And like, I literally took everything of what she said. And I was like, I'm not going to do any of that. Like, screw that. <laughs> like I'm going to post everything. I'm going to post the ugly. I'm going to post like things that people don't want to see because that's life. Like, and she was like, yeah, you're right. Sorry. I even said that. I was like, yeah, what the hell? Like, you know, she wanted me to do it so that it was like nothing ever happened. But like in my life, I'm like, I want people to be like, oh shit, that happened. Now she looks like this. That's cool. Um, Okay. On a positive note, you're um, an overall aficionado. Where do we get the best overalls from? I also love an overall. I love a one piece. I love it all. I have a lot of overalls. I'm also, I feel like I'm at that point where I'm like, I think I have too much overalls. So if you want one, I swear to God, I will send you like whatever one you want. Like I have overalls that I didn't even know that I had that I was like, oh my God. Like I, I'm telling you, I go to LA and then um, to Orange County and I like open my closet and I was like, oh my God, I have these. Like I didn't even know. So if you want some overalls, I will send them. All the overalls that I have, mainly all the clothes that I have are all basically thrifted. So like, I'm like, I love thrifting. I think it's super cool. It's so fun to like get things that are so unique that nobody else has too. So yeah, definitely thrift shops. I get all my overalls and like all my clothes from thrift shops is, is where I, I get them. God, I wish I had the energy to do that. Now I'm just like, send it to my house, order it online, hope for the best. I go in ebbs and flows. I definitely am like, sometimes I have the patience to like, look I usually like the thrift shops that I go to I usually know the sections to look for but sometimes I'm like oh not today <laughs> I'll literally walk out so I think it just depends on the mood you know and the weather I guess but yeah it's fun it's fun sweet well Brooklyn thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story I am uh, I'm really just happy that I got to like meet you and talk to you and help to share your story it's truly inspirational. So you're a hell of a woman. Thank you. And thank you for reaching out. And I'm so excited to like be on my first podcast. Yay. And I'm serious about those overalls and snow boots. Thunder Rose owes me five bucks for being late. That's the toll. You must pay the toll. Super late. I feel like this has been a long time coming to get you on the podcast. Here we are. I'm going to pick a bone with you, Renee. Oh, here we go. It's very interesting. After the Lights Out match, everybody, everybody and their mamas interview Britt Baker. It's so interesting because I was in that match and I was not interviewed. I know Britt personally a little bit better than I know you. So I was like, girlfriend, come pop on the show, blah, blah, blah. But like, why is Britt getting all the flowers for this match and not you? I love Britt. I think she's great. But let's talk a little Thunder Rosa here. I bled too, um, but I didn't do it to the point in where like I was completely like drenched in blood. I think that was one of the shocking factors for that match. I mean, the match was a masterpiece. Like I watch it. It was so driven with emotions from her and from me that made it so special. There's been so many women in the business that I want to give credit to that were before us that have done this in the independent scene, but they never did it in, in, in a way where we did it. In my personal opinion, that's one of the main reasons why people are like, oh, my God, you know, she's the 
queen of hardcore. And, and yes, you did some crazy stuff. She took some crazy bumps. But at the same time, it's like this wouldn't happen if she wouldn't have the opponent that she had with her. Of course. Takes two to tango. One hundred percent. Absolutely. And um, I knew that for her, it was going to be a defining moment in her career. This match specifically for me, it was the match that I needed for people to understand who Thunder Rosa is. And I'm just not talking about us as a worker, but I'm just talking about in general, like what I'm able to do. I can do technical matches. I can do uh, high flying matches. I can wrestle in a mask. I can speak Spanish. I can speak English. I can do hardcore matches. I'm not afraid of anything. I, I can do MMA. I can do everything. But I feel like the drift went with her and you didn't go with me. Britt's very good at taking things and pumping it up on social media. She kind of keeps the storyline going through social media where she wants to talk a bunch of shit, post videos online and post pictures and all that. Do you think that that is something that that makes the storyline follow her more? I mean, it could have been. And it also could have been the fact that I wasn't signed with AEW at that moment. And it wasn't like um, the moment for Thunder Rosa. And I totally understand that. That match specifically, I'm so thankful to Tony for allowing me to, to be part of this storyline. Because he could, he could have picked anybody that was signed at the moment in AEW. I don't think that that's true, though, because you couldn't have done that match with anybody. That's not true. I know. You're right. But I'm saying that if you put it in perspective, I was not part of the company full time. He said from the day one, when I came to AEW, it was a one and done. But my performance kind of like forced everybody to have me there every week, which was really cool. Prior to my research getting ready for this interview, I didn't know that you weren't signed before that match. How much pressure were you feeling to be like, hey, you're going to be the main event of Dynamite. You're doing a hardcore lights out match and you're not signed. Did that like fuel your fire to be like, fuck it, I'm just going to go out there and do my absolute best and get signed and it is what it is? Or were you feeling that pressure of like, God, I really hope that this all kind of connects? You know, I felt the pressure from moment one because I knew what I was coming for. I'm an outsider. What do you mean by that? Why do people make you feel like an outsider? I don't know if you remember the storyline is like, you don't belong here. You don't belong here. They keep telling you that. They keep telling me I'm an outsider my whole entire career because I never watched wrestling. I was a social worker. I came into the business because it was fun. It was something that interested me. And I ended up being fucking pretty good at it, you know? <laughs> uh, and people didn't like that. You come from another company. And it's a, a blessing and a curse when you're too good at something and any job, right? So you come in at something, you're supposed to be, a, you're supposed to be a one and done. And then you're like, what's up guys? Every week I'm the cousin that nobody wants to see, but you still see me, you know? And then they put you in this like super important spot that you're like, holy crap. Like if I shed the bed, this is it. I knew that if I did what I needed to do with my opponents and we can tell the story the way that we're supposed to tell it that I was going to be okay. And that this was going to help me catapult my career in many different ways. Because for me, it wasn't like, okay, I'm going to have a, an excellent match and, and this is going to be great just for me. I was doing this for the whole entire group that I have been, you know, dragging with me and telling them, you can do this too. You can be an outsider. People can tell that you suck. People can tell you that you don't belong. I have been told that so many times. And even now I read, I shouldn't I'd be reading stuff, but they're always like, well, Thunder Rosa is missing something. Oh, Thunder Rosa is not, they don't have the, it, 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 there is something. And I'm like, I dog dare you to wake up at five in the morning every fucking day, travel for seven, eight hours, put a show, go to the next show and do the same thing. Take care of yourself. Try to look good. Try to have a positive attitude. Try to do something. 
And then you can tell me, oh, you're still missing something. I'm not because I'm not doing it for myself. I'm doing it for the group of women that I'm they're coming with me. Right. And that's and like that's when I cut that promo. The pressure was on not for me only, but to like again show that I'm I'm a great talent, but it's to show that it doesn't matter what people tell you, you are in charge of your own destiny and you can change, you can change your present and your future. And that's what I did when I got there. So what happens to Thunder Rosa if people do start saying that, like, oh shit. She does belong. She is this amazing talent. Do you want that to happen? I mean, of course you want that to happen. Everyone wants to, um, you know, get their accolades and get the respect that they deserve. But do you kind of enjoy having that chip on your shoulder to keep moving forward and keep proving everybody wrong? Because I almost feel like, I mean, as much as you're telling me this, I almost feel, not that I feel the opposite, but like, I feel like the stuff that I see about you online is ever is people fucking love you. They do love me because they see the hard work that I put all the time. I don't base my success on one thing. I base my success on every week, what I can do for myself and for other people. For me, it's not about me. My legacy, my family legacy is to build opportunities for other people that are coming after me. With people that come in the ring with me, what they can learn while they're with me and they can teach to somebody else. I always talk about real sisterhood. Like I was not treated well when I started in the business by other women, women that were in the business before me. That scarred me for life. And I keep talking about it. And I know my therapist tell me, you got to let it go. But that shit can be brutal, man. Like, oh my God, it can be awful. Do you think locker rooms have changed quite a bit since then? Or is there still some of that that can exist? There's still some of that. Um, but again, it's our responsibility, our individual responsibility to be better people when we are anywhere we go. When you see something that is wrong, you have to say something because there are certain things that shouldn't happen. Well, especially if you're somebody that is a locker room leader to kind of step in and change the way that a locker room is. Or even like have a, a, an adult conversation saying, hey, what you did out there really bothered me and uh, it made me feel this way. And instead of like, you are stupid and you this is like, no, it made me feel this way. Can you please not do that? And if it continues to happen, then, OK, you, you have a bigger issue. Again, it's like with my actions and when things that I do, I really try to teach new generation of women that it is okay to be a strong woman and, and say something and not like being a bitch because you're not being a bitch. You're just being professional, you know, and then that's what I, I hate when people are like, oh, she's being a bitch. No, she's being professional and she is, uh, she's standing up for herself. Men do that all the time and nobody says anything. Yeah, no, men do that all the time. And you're right. I mean, it's it's definitely easier for like, you know, if a woman steps up and has that sort of cachet about her, people want to call her a bitch or that she's difficult to work with. Like that is one of the most annoying fucking things I've ever heard of. Like a woman being told she's like difficult to work with. F off. That is so, um, I hate that. It's so obnoxious. Um, how did you feel when, or what was the conversation that you had with Tony after the uh, Lights Out match? It was really sweet. Like, um, I have pictures, I have video. I can like literally like tell you how my whole day went, like when the moment that I got there and, and like how I felt. I was very nervous. I was not for me because I was like, eh, whatever, if I get hurt, I get hurt. Like my whole thing is like, I want to make sure that my opponent was fully protected. You guys took some gnarly bumps too. Holy shit. Yes. And there's a lot of stuff that I never done before. So there's a lot of like, you question yourself and you, you question like, can I do this? Can I do this safely? When we go live, am I going to be nervous? Is my opponent going to be nervous? I called my husband. I remember I was in the back and I was in tears telling my husband, I'm like, I am very nervous about this. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to pull it off. 
Because I just remember who you are, where you've been and all the things that you have gone through. Do you remember you're fucking Thunder Rosa? You are there for a reason. They brought you here for a reason, Melissa. This is your moment. Remember that. And I remember getting ready and everything. And um, and Tony was like, yeah, you're going to do great. And I trust you. I believe in you. He, he always, Tony was always telling me that he believes in me. By the end of the match, everybody's on their feet, uh, clapping. And I was like shaking. Like there's a moment in where, like literally we break the table. She's completely full of blood. I'm full of her blood. And I'm like telling her, like, I belong here. I belong here. And then I'm like, they raise my hand and I'm in tears. Like, this is some real fucking tears. In my mind, I remember thinking, fuck you guys. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you guys. I knew this was going to be good, but I didn't think it was going to be this good. And I didn't think I was going to survive. It's so good. Tony hugged me and he was like, hey, champ, I knew you were going to do this. Thank you so much. And then he's like, you got to cut a promo. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> uh, I met a couple of people cry and it was, it was like, uh, Agogo, Agogo was, I met him cry because he, he was in the process with me. He's like, we met, we became really good friends and he was training me boxing and stuff. And then, uh, Sony kiss. I remember he hugged me and he like looked at me he said, I remember where you and I were in Lucha Underground and how much you struggled to get respect with the people in Lucha Underground because you were so new and look at you right now doing a main event of this magnitude and you're going to become a legend. And, um, I just remember just being in tears and being so happy for one that it was over and two uh uh that what we did out there it was it was gonna bring women's wrestling to another level i learned a lot from brit honestly like in terms of like the moments and like doing stuff like that i think a lot of people won't give her credit on that but i will give her credit on that like she's like you were saying she's very smart about certain things and the stuff that she picked it was really, really good. But I think if I was like, if I would have been a shitty worker and not sell her shit and not, not do that stuff, I don't think it would have been as good. I've seen, like I said, I've seen a lot of street matches. I've seen a lot of lights out, dead matches. And it's, some of them don't have that emotional connection that we had on that match. The fact that it was two women having a match like that already changes what the dynamic of that match is, what the emotional level is going to be. You guys like really put each other on the map that night. Like I feel like you both pulled each other up and solidified not only yourselves, but the entire women's division for AEW. Did you feel that or feel sort of that pressure to make sure everyone knows that this is what the women's division here is all about? Oh yeah. I watched my promo from the first time that they brought me in. And I said that I am going to bring some respect and to put it on the map. My whole goal is because people were talking so much shit about AW Women's Division. I was so sick and tired of it. You know, then I understand all the work we all have put to make this division better. And I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about the whole entire group. As a group, we all have put so much work to earn respect. And the fact that we did that that night and we were able, everybody was talking about it. And everybody still talk about it, you know, and everybody, everybody that I have, every time I have sat on a signing that's the match that comes out. That only moment, yes, gonna be is a very important moment in my life. But I want, I don't want that to only define me as a, a as a wrestler. I want like everything else that I've done after that and before that to build, like we were talking about, respect in the women's division in AW and outside of AW, because it's so important. Because those are the girls that are gonna come to AW and they're gonna be part of the women's division. And we want strong, solid women that can hang. 
what other kind of matches do either you want to have or you want to see in AEW? Does it need to be different stipulations? Does it need to be different main events or different points in the card? I want to do a cage match so bad. Like there's something about the cage that just attracts me a lot. I want to do a dog and color match. Like I'm not afraid of doing anything anymore. I faced death when I got in the, in the cage. And that was the first time that I was like, oh shit, I can't actually die here. So ever since then, I was just like, bring it. I'm just ready for the challenge. I, I love doing 30 minute matches. I love the fact that I have to think that I have to think about the moments that I want to create with my opponent, how we are going to elevate each other. It's, just, it's always a, a, a learning curve and a learning process. And it's, it's fantastic. Like I love doing that. Like even my last match right now with Jade, it was like a learning curve, not only for me, but for her, right? The process of thinking, what am I going to do? How are we going to create it? How are we going to create the interest from the people to watch this match and to tune in and to watch the whole entire match? I mean, I saw this last time when they had the 60-minute match, Cowboy and, uh, and Brian. I was telling Mark, Mark, I'm ready for this. I am ready for this. And I know a couple of my peers are ready to have a 60-minute match. Oh my God, I've got so many different questions for you that I'm like, which way do I want to go? Um, let's go to when you got signed. What was that moment like for you when you did get signed to a full-time contract? Oh man, if I could really talk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can. <laughs> um, I was in my bed and I was having a really difficult time because uh, I was having some issues uh, with uh, the other company that I was working with. July 20th, it was like in the morning, I'm in tears praying to God for clarity and patience. And I got a message from Christopher Daniels. He's like, sister, here is uh, your contract. Read it over and send it to your lawyer. I like literally was on my computer and like looking at it and I'm in tears. Like I'm just in tears. Like finally, like all this time. And I was like, just like this with my husband, we did it. We fucking did it. That was the best thing that happened to me in a long time. I worked so hard and we sacrificed so much throughout six years. And like, there's so many things that people don't understand. They don't know because they don't need to know. And I was like, Jesus, God, thank you so much. And, and, and then when it was announced on my birthday, it was like, like everybody, every single comment is like, you earned it. You deserve it. You've worked so hard. It was one of the most beautiful things. And I saw Tony and I sent him the longest text message saying, thank you. And how thankful I am. And I'm so thankful that I am in the company because being rejected for so long and even like struggling for so long, it feels like you're never like, you're never going to get out of the hole. But then it's like, you see the light and you're like, oh my God, like miracles exist and like hard work really pays off. And a lot of people like want to do shortcuts and like they get tired and then and they give up. And like, there's just that attitude that I, I was never going to give up no matter what. It felt great. And it just feels great that I can say that I'm, I'm part of like something like this because we are making change. It feels awesome. I love hearing stories like that and seeing someone like you that's so passionate about what you do. And obviously, I mean, you are busting your ass to do this day in and day out, year after year. Um, so to see you get this big payoff quite literally is is awesome to see. But, you know, even on the other side of that, it's like you get your contract. And I feel like every time you're on TV, it feels like it's an important match and it feels like something big is about to happen. So, I mean, kudos to you for, for being able to have that kind of energy about you and that kind of charisma every time that you're out there. I think that that's really, really cool to see. And now to see the way the women's division is going. Um, 
I mean, you guys have so much talent there and there's so many amazing women there. Um, and now you guys have just signed Mercedes Martinez. How do you feel about having her uh, join the, the women's locker room? My head still hurts. <laughs> hard. Um, it's great. I think we need more veterans that are able to um, guide all the young new talent that we still have. The learning curve is so big in our division because we have a lot of people that are been in the business less than 10 years. And you like it or not, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we all still need to learn. And she is a book of knowledge. And every time I have stepped in the ring with her, because we've been having a lot of matches in the independent team, they get better and better and better and better. So what you guys are about to see in the next couple months is going to be fire because you have somebody that is a super freaking good veteran that knows what she's doing. And then you're seeing fiery thunder baby Rosa right now. It's going to be money inside and outside of the ring. And if you guys go on YouTube and see our matches that we have had in the last couple of months, you're going to know what I'm talking about because we both can go. I just hope the world is ready to see what's next. Hell yeah. I think especially for Mercedes, I actually just had her on the show not long ago, not having a clue that she was going to AEW. I don't know if she knew at that point or what, but it's really cool to see um, her make that move, make that career move. And I mean, shit, we know she can still go and she knows she can go. So I'm excited to see her get that opportunity um, to really flex on everybody and remind everyone who the hell she is because she's an absolute badass. Um, okay, this has actually been such a great conversation, killer interview. I love getting to hear more about your story. Um, geez, I mean, all the stuff that you have been through to to land where you are now. I'm I'm so happy for you. I'm like proud of you for like sticking to it, nose to the grindstone, getting it done. My final question to you is this: What is the best taco that you've had so far? It had to be when I was in Monterey, Mexico. It was so authentic. Like we went to this taqueria and it was, I never had this like chicharron trenzado, which is pork rinds. And then the tortillas were handmade. It was the most delicious thing I've tried. And then the birria tacos in Murrieta, in Atlanta, actually, in Georgia. They were really, really good. Uh, it was uh, an interview that I did with Siki Dice that is coming up pretty soon. The taco vlog's fantastic. I love that you're doing this. I love that you are checking out tacos in different towns, making that your thing. As a food person myself, I love this and I'm living vicariously through you. I'm hoping that the taco blog goes bigger so I can have my stuff on TV one day. Yeah, let's get it out there. Let's get you. You should have your own hot sauce. That's what we should really be doing. There should be like a Thunder Rosa hot sauce. There was an offer for me to do hot sauce too. You 100% should do that. that. I mean, Dustin Poirier has his through um, Hedonist. It's awesome. It's like a Louisiana style hot sauce. It's one of my favorite ones. You need to jump on this bandwagon for sure. Well, Thunder Rosa, I'm so happy that I was finally able to get you on here to pick your brain uh, again. I mean, honestly, your story's amazing. Uh, it's really cool to see you doing what you're doing right now and continuing to grow and make women's wrestling better. So thank you. Thanks for being patient. I'm sorry I was late. Now you owe me a taco. I wanted five bucks, but now I think I always want to go have a taco with you. I will have to make you tacos then. Or yes. I'll get my taco from a taqueria El Dorado if you come to Austin, that they have my taco there. What's in it? It's steak, uh, rajas, and they have like some very spicy jalapeno and cheese. And some of the proceeds go to my favorite nonprofit organization. So they donate money from that taco. Man, you fucking rule. What a cool chick. 
Super excited for you. And uh, thanks again for coming on. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with me on this special edition of the Best of for Oral Sessions. We just mash up the best from the week, let you guys get the little highlights. You can go back and listen to the full-length episodes, should you choose to do so. I highly recommend it because there's some good stuff in there. It's really hard to cut these down because these chats can be so great. We, we, We really do have the best guests come on here and hang out and uh, I love being able to do that here on the show so hopefully you guys enjoyed it you can go back and listen to more of the episodes you can also watch these interviews on our YouTube page you can just search Renee Paquette search for the volume network and you'll be able to find all the things we've got the short clips we've got the full length interviews find them all on there like subscribe share turn on the notifications all that good stuff we'll see you guys next time on oral sessions Mm -hmm.